my identity today has nothing to do with the businesses I have, the employees I have, the money I have, the exits I've had, like, right? Like yeah. or the stage or aspire, like yeah. that's not my identity. You know, my identity is a child of God who mm. was created for a purpose and living in that has given me what success I've had. I'm super grateful because when you, when you look at life through that lens, you realize like, I'm not a smart guy. I didn't, you know, find some magic recipe. I just walked in like this calling that was on my life. And this is the result of that. Mm -hmm. Right. And mm -hmm. so my, my goal each day isn't to exit another company or create more wealth or even make more impact in the world. My goal is really to live in this space of what I was created to be and be the best version of that. Mm -hmm. And all of this comes out of it. Hey, it's Emily here. You know that uniqueness you have? I call it the it factor. We all have it, but some of us either really need to identify it or start to empower it. This show is all about giving you the lessons, tools, and principles I've learned after building a nine-figure sales organization, training leaders around the globe, and working alongside of some of the most influential people in this world. So now it's time to de-plug from your outside world and plug into your new world here. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. I am here today with one of the top entrepreneurs in the world, but you maybe have never heard of him. And why is that? Is because he spent the last probably couple decades of his life actually building companies, building and exiting over 90 companies. Eddie Wilson is with us on the show today, and I am so blessed to have this conversation with him alongside of my husband, Jake Havron. So Eddie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm very glad to be here. I'm pumped to have you here, my yes. man. This is the first time we are doing... Um, a three-way podcast interview. It's exciting. Because we were fighting over you. Yeah, cool. I appreciate that. <laughs> That's the real story. That's awesome. Yeah. We we're were like, we could either do back-to-back -back interviews and then probably there'd be some stuff that would be brought up twice, sure. or we do it with all three of us and we could just go deeper. I like it. Let's do it. Let's rock. And you know, and one of the first things, we got so many different areas to go, um, but you've exited over 90 companies. And I'm sure you've talked about this many times, right? We're going to sure. go into faith and, and, and business ideas and all that. But your first exit, mm -hmm. take us back there because that's sure. usually probably yeah. the most unfamiliar. Then it comes clockwork. Tell us about just where you were, mm -hmm. what that was like. Let us know about that. Sure. So my first exit wasn't actually a company. It was a television program that I sold uh, to Fox and uh, still signed a non-compete. I still can't even talk about it. It's one of those things that's like, oh it's, it was my whole identity back then, but I sold it, had some capital uh, and built an advertising agency from that. And then the advertising agency was my first exit. Uh, the crazy part about that one was, is I didn't intentionally exit that company. It was actually a very, very difficult time where I had somebody who was lending capital, who was a huge competitor that I didn't know they were competing with me. They came to a closing table for some money that I needed to do some massive national ad buys. Uh, I needed about 30 million. They were sourcing the capital. And when they uh, kind of disclosed everything. They said, we sat down that day and they said, Hey, we're not lending you the money. We're actually going to buy your company. I said, you're not buying my company. I'm, I'm intentionally like building this to sell in two years. 
And they said, well, we know you've overextended yourself. We're not giving you the money you think you're going to get. This is the terms you're going to get. So you're either going to take this path or you're going to lose everything. And I would have because I'd already overextended myself with full expectation of this closing happening, right? Like I'm praying, yeah. like I hope this thing happens, signing contracts and uh, worst nightmare kind of came true. And uh, they ended up giving me 24 hours to make a choice which was either try to live through it or sell my company. Oh, they were gracious um, giving you so yeah, much they time. Yeah, <laughs> they were gracious. <laughs> yeah, uh, very, very difficult. But the fascinating part about that story was um, I had 24 hours to think about it. And what I thought about in this, that the 24 hours wasn't the money, it wasn't what I was losing. It was the fact that I had wrapped my entire identity mm. in my 20s to this company. It was who I was. Oh, wow. And it wasn't about selling the company or the money. It was about like, well, what do I do? And mm. who, who will I be known as? And what about all these employees? And, you know, all of these things that, you know, I really was more concerned about than the money. Um, and so I had a choice to make. And, uh, and the choice, you know, all traumas don't lead to roadblocks. They actually lead to forks in the road, right? Where mm. based on how you pro process that trauma, you either create a, a limiting belief about yourself, a ceiling, or it propels you to the next opportunity. And I decided that in that 24 hours that I was going to do what I what I knew to do, and that was to make the next right choice, and that the right choice was to sell the company, and then to get really honest and clear with with why I was in the position I was in. Right? Mm -hmm. Ego wanted to come out and say, "Well, I, I'm the best. That's why you know, like this is me. They're gonna fail if they try to take this company from me, and all these things." But I realized like there were a lot smarter people at that table than I was, and that I had been taken advantage of and had no idea it was coming. And uh, I sold the company, decided I would never get taken advantage of in that area again. I'd become the best at understanding how to grow wow. and build companies in a way that served the mission that I was on. Mm. Um, and instead of like letting it like sink in and kind of beating my chest and going like, you know, trying to prove my worth, I decided like, oh, they are better than me. And there's a pathway for me to actually become as good as them so instead of focusing on the loss, I focused on, you know, the opportunity. And really in that 24 hour period, that was the decision I made. So I'm never going to wow. let this happen again, but I'm, I'm going to become better every day at this. So you're saying that in one of the most probably sh struggling of a situation, you mm -hmm. have 24 hours, yeah. you're thinking your entire identity is lost. That actually is part of a big reason why you now have 94 exits because of that one. It's 100% the reason. And, and if you actually, you know, it's you go back to those those moments of trauma, you know, um, I lost two siblings growing up. Mm -hmm. So um, there's four of us, uh, me, uh, my sister who passed away when I was younger, my brother who passed away when I was uh, older, and then my youngest brother. And so my youngest brother and I are still living. And um, obviously, right. Yeah. And uh, and so my parents with such incredible emotional intelligence when I was younger helped me process trauma in the right way. Wow. You know, you think about like what they went through losing children, but mm. then actually was so impactful in my life. and I'm so grateful for it was my mom constantly would talk to me about gratitude. You know, like there is a way to be grateful mm. for the situation you're in. What if instead of us looking at the loss of Rebecca, we began to focus on like all the good times we had, like, can you can you and when I would cry and I would struggle, she would say, hey, tell me two things that you loved about your sister. Like, tell me about a, a memory. And so mm. those memories that are just locked into my brain today, you know, from three, four five years old, because my mom would constantly rehearse those like moments of gratitude. Yeah. 
And, uh, and it was those moments that really got me to a place where I could, I could shortcut that process of like, Hey, loss doesn't have to be loss. Loss can be opportunity. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so grateful for parents that had emotional intelligence enough to help me process loss because now every loss, every betrayal, every frustrating moment, you get the chance to make a choice and they helped me make that choice early. That's really served me well in this life. Absolutely. That's so beautiful. Extreme resilience yeah. as well, because a lot of times as entrepreneurs, like something bad happens, someone right. cheats, someone steals, you lose something. Sure. It takes you down for weeks, right. months. Some people right. never get over it. They never do. And so obviously the way you were raised has mm -hmm. helped build that emotional fortitude sure. that has given you the strength to build these companies because so much of it is mindset, right? It's all right? mindset. It's mm -hmm. all mindset. Mm -hmm. So you learned this young. Did you grow up in the Midwest? I did. I grew up in Ohio. Ohio. Yeah. Okay. I'm from Minnesota. Yeah. Okay. Love that. Yeah. I went to the Ohio State University. Okay. And uh, for my undergraduate, but yeah, good mid Midwestern values for sure. Was your parents entrepreneurs? My father is an entrepreneur, has had multiple businesses. My mother is also uniquely an entrepreneur and has her has had her own businesses. And so they've both started businesses and Again, it's a lot of this is osmosis, you know, it's like, yes, they taught me some things intentionally, but some things I just naturally grabbed because of the journey they were on. Wow. Yeah. So was your dad like, hey, you should get into business? No, you know, my dad was just a really, really hard worker um, and was very intentional with his time. And there's some really great lessons that he taught me. One is, is, you know, he would say constantly, like, if time is your most valuable asset, then why don't you spend more time managing your time than managing your money? Stop mm -hmm. looking at your bank account, go look at your calendar. Mm -hmm. um, and he would beat that into me, not literally beat it, but yeah. it's like that constant yeah. source, right? Um, and he would constantly put that in, into my life by saying things like, I, I, the first car I bought, he said, um, well, how much is it? And I said, it, it was $1,800. And he said, no, you make $5 an hour, you get 10 hours a week. It's actually this many years of your life. Are you willing to exchange this many years of your oh, life for that car? Reframe. And he always reframed that in my life in everything I did. My poor kids get the same exact treatment, uh -huh. but you know, it's like they, he, he did that over and over again. And so when I talk about that, you talk about resilience or you talk about that ability to kind of bounce back and frame things the right way. It also has this time component to it because time is everything. Yeah. And to the degree that I let these things hold me down or hold me back, or I don't mm -hmm. process them the right way, mm -hmm. it's time lost, you know? Mm -hmm. And a lot of the reasons why I've sold so many of these companies is because I'm shrinking down time. You know, it's like there's an ability to shrink down time by actually creating exponential value and exiting early. And so everything is tied to those lessons that, you know, I'm so grateful that mm -hmm. my parents taught me. That's so cool. Mm -hmm. And you have a formula for this, right? I do. Yeah. Can you expand on this formula? <laughs> sure. Do you have a book on it? Uh, I The book is coming out okay. soon. It's been written. It's sitting there. I've talked uh, to all these we're gonna, publishers. We're going to keep you accountable. Uh -huh. <laughs> if there's one thing we could do, it's that. <laughs> I have two books that are out, but uh, the, the last book, the one uh, on building empires, is really the one that's just kind of waiting to, yeah. to be released. What, what, so. Why are you waiting on that? Uh, you know, I, I went down this path of a big publisher who wanted to publish it for me. Mm -hmm. And then after I went through it, I just, I thought, and they, all the things they wanted me to put into it, I just thought, you know, this isn't authentically me, mm -hmm. you know? Right. So I rewrote the manuscript. Now I believe I'm going to self-publish it this year. So, awesome. so yeah. share, share the formula. Yeah. So there's lots of formulas. I think every, everything in life is a formula, but if you look at kind of the time value of money, um, for me, the first um, business I, I sold was the ad agency. And that day as I was processing in that 24 hour time period, 
I began to start thinking about what would it look like if I just gave in and exited? And one of the benefits that came out of that was they were giving me um, an eight multiple on my EBITDA, right? So just one of those, you know, multiples or one of those uh, equations they use. And what I began to think about is I actually get eight years back of my life. I was going to build this for two more years. And so whether or not I built it to the degree I wanted to, I essentially was going to invest two years of my life to get where I wanted to go. They were actually willing to give me eight years of my life back at the same amount, right? So in eight times, you know, earnings, that's what I would have earned if I just would have stayed in that business. Well, I was grinding. I was putting in 13, 14, 15 hours a day. Uh-huh. And I began to think about what could I have, what could I do with my life if that 13 or 14 hours a day were to come back to me and all the money for the next eight years. And when I sold, um, that's when I really started diving deep into more nonprofit and purpose stuff, because then I, I realized like, oh, if I could shrink down these things that take so much of my life and exit early, I could take, instead of waiting till I'm 50 or 60 or 70 to make impact on the world, I could create these businesses, shrink that time down and then go, you know, give it back. And yeah. so there's a lot of equations I use, but the big equation that I'm constantly using is, is looking at how to shrink down uh, my, the, the time period that it takes, right? Mm-hmm. So like one of the big pieces that Malcolm Gladwell talks about is that it takes 10,000 hours to become an expert at right. anything. Um, you know, that's essentially seven years of your life at 40 hours mm-hmm. a week. When I was young, I realized that that is what it took to become successful. So if I could actually shrink down that time, then I could actually get to success and expert status faster. There's a couple of ways to do that, right? One is just put more hours in than anybody else. Uh-huh. When everybody else is watching Netflix at nighttime, be learning, That's right? right. <laughs> um, you can you can do it by hiring mentors and talking to people that have already been there. That shrinks down time. Um, and then lastly, build something of exponential value where you are significant but not relevant, right? Mm. I try to become irrelevant in my business as soon as I possibly can because what happens is is when I exit my business, if I'm the most relevant character in that business. They're going to demand that I stay. Oh, that's a tough. That's a tough pill to swallow, right? <laughs> yeah, right there. But significance is is important. I want to be. I want to have impact in my business. I want. I want the people, my employees, the people around me, my customers, to realize that I do have value. That's the significance part. But I. I want to be irrelevant. If I have to walk out tomorrow, the business is still just as successful without me. Right. And so all of those kind of pieces play and really creating, you know, that exit strategy that I have with almost every single business that I have shrink down time so I can take that amount of money and go make greater impact in the world. So cool. Yeah. So I know what you're thinking. What, oh, yeah. do, you, what do you say to someone that has I a was personal, bra- personal brand? <laughs> personal brands are the hardest thing because personal brands, um, I believe, are the catalyst for something greater. I think if you get stuck in the personal brand as your only revenue source, yeah. then you're going to always be bound to that you know, to that machine, mm-hmm. right? Um, however, if you can take that personal brand, you can exponentially increase the output, other products, services, things you can attach that you can you know create impact with other people. Personal brands c- create community. You have followers. You you have followers, and you can take that personal brand and then you can service that need of the need of the community, right? Then you can insert products or services with that community, serve them, and then you don't have to be the central cog in that wheel. Yeah, so, so good. Yeah. I love that. That's yeah, powerful. So for someone that maybe has a personal brand, maybe they only have one to three employees, sure. or even just maybe virtual assistants, right? they might be almost trying to tune out because they're like, there's no way I could relate with this. Exiting right. companies, getting eight sure. years back. But how would this be relevant to someone that's Mm -hmm. in that position? Sure. I think the relevant part is I I was asked 
three things that every time I, every time I was looking at uh, selling a business, you know, mm -hmm. due diligence. And the three things they asked were number one, what's your IP? What do you do differently, right? That anybody else does. And that could just be your audience. It could be the way you do things, the way you look at life, technology, whatever it is. What do you do differently? You know, Kevin O'Leary often says in Shark Tank, he'll say, um, why should I pay you a million dollars for a percentage of your company? I go take 500,000 and just recreate what you have, right. you know, mm -hmm. because they have right. no IP, there's no differentiator. Yeah. But every time I sat at a table doing due diligence, they would ask me about that IP, right? Next, they would ask me about my finances, right? Like we need to be good stewards of what we have and what God has given us. Mm -hmm. And so it's so important to not overextend ourselves because value of companies are always tied to dollars, right? Or potential dollars. And so be a good steward of that company. So if they're, a, an, if they're you know, sitting there as a, a personal brand and they've got one or two employees, make sure that you know, they take a percentage of that dollar and they're investing, they're creating more opportunity. They're not just overextending themselves all the time. And then lastly, an operating system. There has to be a way that you do stuff or you do things that are consistent so that um, in that consistency, someone else can do it the same. Mm. If you are the central, it goes back to that part of that, that point of, um, of irrelevance. If you are the relevant cog in that wheel, then it is so difficult to ever walk away or step away or you know, retire. Yeah. Um, there's a really fascinating story about Walt Disney and you know, he was the ultimate you know, personal brand. His right. entire, his, everything he had was built on his name and he decided that he would create the, the character Mickey Mouse so that he could transfer all credibility to an inanimate object so that he would have the chance to exit his business. So cool. Think about the brilliance of that. Like yeah. I'm gonna create a character that can, uh, the, the concept of Disney can live within it so that I can essentially walk away, you know? And so good. it's a fascinating uh, uh, case study if you wanna wow. talk about like how to separate yourself out of, out of that environment. And yeah. one more question on, um, on basically being able to make those operating systems. Mm -hmm. So same person, few employees, few EAs, what, what would be some recommendations sure. on that? Like how do they do that without a full complex company? Yeah, um, an operating system. So I, I created one, it's called Empire, right? Mm -hmm. And that's uh, how I run all of my businesses. And we have about 3000 companies globally that run on Empire. Most of the people that run an Empire are not 100 person businesses. They're three and four and five employees. It's a, it's a dashboard and a way and a system of, of how you do business, mm -hmm. how to know, you know, what KPIs am I measuring and how do I monetize those KPIs and what are my structures and maybe a few process maps on how you do things so that they're consistently done over and over again. You can put someone else in to do it. You can plug and play next man up. And it's just a system and a way of doing business um, that allows you to just systemize it so it can be done over and over again and you find productivity and efficiency inside of it. And is that something that people can currently access? If sure. They want yeah. To? If you go to Empire OM, that stands for Operating Model, EmpireOM.com. Mm -hmm. And by the way, there's a lot of a lot of operating systems mm -hmm. out there. There's EOS. There's uh, Traction. There's Scaling Up. There's uh, Six Sigma. Like a lot of operating systems have have been created. Um, I created mine intentionally for every size of business, so it becomes the companion for a. a somebody that maybe has two employees, oh, but good. ends up with 10,000 employees, they don't have to switch operating systems every single time yeah. they grow. Well, mm. those people yeah. aren't on, on this podcast, you know, yeah. so <laughs> you're on this podcast, you're a walk in the walk, yeah. Empire OM, that's, yeah. that's a great, great value add. Mm. And sure. I'm constantly preaching to people like, get your house in order, yeah. get your business in order. And right. 
you know, there's different strengths that we're, we've all been given. Sure. And so many people in my world are like, I'm not good at that kind of stuff. Right. And that kind right. of stuff overwhelms me. And it's yeah. like, well, you're going to build something you might despise eventually right. if you don't set it up properly. And you will. And it, there, there's something about an entrepreneur that they don't intentionally build anything. They build it j just because it feels right or they just take whatever the next action is and, and they, they don't have intentionality with the, their decision making. And so what they do, like for instance, the next hire that every entrepreneur makes is one that looks just like them. Uh -huh. It's like, well, how do you make your business better if you're just gonna rehire yourself, which is your strengths and your liabilities mm. in the next person? They never hire the person that compliments them. They hire the same person that, because they think, well, I've got this business here. That person has the same qualities that I have. Right. I'll just hire that person right. and we'll do more. It actually just causes more problems, you know? Yeah. So like entrepreneurs just make s simple mistakes that are easily corrected. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if you get the resource, that, like you're sharing that you created, sure. it's like that's going to save yeah. you so much time. It will. Hey, it's Jake here, and I just wanted to take a quick moment because Emily, sometimes she gets a little bashful talking about her own trainings, but that's why I'm here. And on January 16th, Emily is doing a three-hour masterclass on brand awareness campaign. And if you're someone that has been wondering how to actually strategize your marketing campaign, like the actual tactics, the step-by-steps, not the ideas, not the theories, but the step-by-step, -step, then this is for you. She's spending three hours teaching you how to increase awareness of your brand or offer or service or product, whatever it is for you, how to attract new customers so you get people coming in through this campaign, uh, how you're actually gonna make a game plan out of this and identify your target audience. So you have one focus, one drive, people know exactly what you're talking about and literally follow her 40 day campaign blueprint. Yes, we're gonna have an actual calendar that you will follow alongside your entire workbook that you can download and print out and follow along with this. And this is all within this three hour masterclass that Emily's leading on January 16th. So I recommend if you are a solopreneur, entrepreneur, you run a brick and mortar, uh, you have online business, you gotta be here. You gotta be there live. Yes, we'll have a recording that you can purchase if you want, but be there live, get around other like-minded individuals, hundreds of amazing humans. The, the reviews have been incredible. And yes, I'm talking highly of her right now because she, she, brings, she brings the value. So if this is something you're interested in and wanna see more details or lock your spot in, there's two ways you can do it. Number one is you can DM her the word campaign on Instagram, if that's your way, just DM her the word campaign and you'll get sent the details or just go to the links below in the description and you can go to fortitudemasterclass.com. Secure your spot. Love to see you there live. And without further ado, let's get back to the interview. I want to talk to you a little bit about your faith. Sure. Uh, I spoke at one of your events, Aspire mm -hmm. Tour, which is yeah. so incredible. Mm -hmm. And you were backstage and you were on stage backstage and Jake was connecting with you. Mm -hmm. I connected with you a little bit and it was interesting because both him and I were like, there's something so different about him. Mm -hmm. Like you have this peace and what I like to call or Tony Dungy likes to call quiet strength. Sure. And Jake's like, he's a believer. 
And we both were like so intrigued by that. Yeah. And I'd love to talk to you sure. about your faith yeah, and your absolutely. faith journey. I, I would love to talk about that. Yeah. yeah. Um, for me, I grew up in a household where my parents were believers, mm -hmm. but uh, it very much was their God, their church, their concept of who God was. And it really didn't, it didn't make sense for me. A lot of what I experienced in the church was opposite of what I saw in the world around me. Um, and, and a lot of times, you know, you, you've always heard the phrase that the confused mind says no, it always mm, says no. Yeah. And that's what happened to me in faith. It was like, I was introduced to all these things. Now, my parents were com completely consistent, but the way that they lived and walked, it wasn't necessarily how I saw other Christians walk or, you know, the church. And so I just, it just didn't make sense to me. So I just kind of, you know, mm -hmm. thought, well, this isn't for me. You yeah. know, this is their choice. This is their thing. Um, but after I had a ton of success in business, um, really had more money than I knew what to do with and, uh, and, and had a lot of accolades and, you know, kind of people trying to push me to the, mm -hmm. to this kind of like level of notoriety. Um, I, I got real with myself and realized like there's this massive hole inside mm -hmm. and I was extremely depressed, really struggling. My wife was the only person in the world that ever knew that, you know, I'd literally cry myself to sleep wondering like, what, what is life even worth living? Like, this is pointless. Like, you know, you do all these things, but they don't have meaning. They mm -hmm. don't give me some internal value. And this is after a few exits. This is after really the first exit, um, after the first exit. And we uh, had my wife would try to talk to me about it and I just was closed off. I just would struggle and struggle by myself and think I'll figure this out. And um, I called my dad one day and I said, hey, I'm just going to be really honest with you. And I said, and this is something I don't want to necessarily talk to you about, but I feel like I don't know who else to talk to. Yeah. And uh, I said, I'm really struggling. Like, I don't I don't even know if I want to live. And he said, Eddie, you're like super successful you have money and fame like what you have whatever you want and i said houses and cars and i said and every one of those mean nothing to me I'd, mm -hmm. i i said i literally am thinking two thoughts either i don't want to live or number two i want to give everything away because nothing means you know it doesn't mean anything to me and i just want to start over again because at least i was happy in the pursuit of these things like i was like happy in this yeah. pursuit yeah he said and you'll get right back to where you are just mm -hmm. faster next time and i said you're right and he said um he said, can I, can I just offer you a suggestion? And he said, and I don't want you to think that I'm pushing you down my path. He said, um, I believe that that hole inside of you is a hole that was put there by our creator. And he said, that can only be filled with a relationship with him. Mm. And um, he said, I would really, really recommend that you just go take some downtime and just think about that. Like, just decide what you want to do with that concept. And he said, if you were created, he said, if you believe that you were created, and he said, and you don't, and the creator wants a relationship with you and everything you need was created by that creator, then why wouldn't you at least explore a relationship with that creator? And I said, is that even possible? And he said, he said, it is possible. He said, I believe it's possible. He said, but I want you to find out for yourself. And my dad pushed me at a level that I hadn't been pushed. You know, that was a, that theology concept was really outside of my purview. Right. Um, and I did what I think everybody should have the time in life to do is I went and sat on the beach for about a month and every morning I got up and I started reading my Bible for really the first time in a very long mm -hmm. time. I started praying. I didn't even know how to pray. I would just talk out loud yeah. and it was just raw. And, and it, I, I thought, well, if you created me, then you're going to have to live with everything I have to say because <laughs> you put it inside of me and I don't know what to do yeah. with it. And I would say the most absurd things. Um, 
And what I found was a very loving God and a loving creator that was very different than what my experience was mm -hmm. in the very beginning. And uh, it was life changing. How'd you, how'd you find that? How'd you find that love? Yeah. So um, reading scripture, um, it was like words and phrases were just jumping off the page mm -hmm. at me. Um, mm -hmm. You know, uh, I always felt like Christianity and the church was a set of rules. And it was mm -hmm. like, if you follow these rules, you check the boxes, then you get blessings. Yeah. And if you don't follow these rules, then you don't get blessings. And one of the things I constantly saw in the world around me was like, wait a minute, this guy over here is doing a bunch of bad stuff and he has blessings. Right. Know, so this doesn't even make sense. Right. And um, and I began to read I read I was reading the book of Romans and uh, which has become my favorite book. Um, and there's this passage in there that talks about like there's we're no longer under this condemnation. Right. Like that, mm -hmm. that what Jesus did for us opened up the opportunity to remove this like penalty of sin and all of this and create this opportunity for me to have a relationship with the God of the universe. And when I read that, I just remember like melting, thinking uh, that that's what I want more than anything. Yeah. You know, like that, yeah. that was that piece. And I knew it like the yeah. moment I read it, it was like, that's what's missing right there. Like mm -hmm. that. I know that's it. And when I explored that, it was like something came to life in me. Right now, I know the Bible talks about being quickened with the spirit and like and it was just like that was what was happening in those moments. Oh. It was like it was, was coming to this place of faith and understanding so cool. and and belief. Yeah. And uh, it opened a lot of doors for me and it yeah. changed my life. It, it really changed my life in, in a way that I still struggle, you know, years later to describe. Yeah, that's so where beautiful. do you where do you feel like you would be right now if you didn't have that conversation with your dad? Yeah. Didn't sit on the beach for a month. Yeah. Where would you be? I either would be in a very, very uh, unfulfilled state, uh, still searching, still, you know, I, I, I get why people go to every vice in the world because, you know, that's where I was. It was just like, just try the next thing that makes you happy. Mm -hmm. Try the next thing that mm -hmm. makes you happy. And my belief is, is I probably would be in a either dead or, you know, just in a very, very unhappy, unfulfilled, you know, lack of joy mm -hmm. state. Do you feel like if <clears throat> do you feel like if you were in that lack of joy state, it actually would be probably more detrimental to those yeah. around you than if you yeah. were just not even here? Yeah, I, I look at my three boys and uh, my oldest son uh, experienced me in a life without God. Wow. And he still struggles with that today because of who I was. Right. Mm -hmm. Like every choice we make has a ripple effect on those around us and those we love, unfortunately, but it, it has the greatest effect on the ones we love. And my oldest, you know, still struggles in his faith. My middle son has almost grew up in a place where that was always the way we did things. And he probably has the strongest faith. You know, he, I, he he's 17 and I can't tell you how many times I've walked out on the back and he's sitting out by the pool. Um, doing a Bible study over FaceTime with his girlfriend. Oh, I'm this like, is so You know, cool. like what so I, cool. I always, I always tell my wife, like who, who gets that? You know, like seriously, a Bible study with his girlfriend uh, over FaceTime, you know, like what is going on? Yeah. You know? um, and then I have a nine year old and, um, you know, obviously he still has a lot of life ahead of him, a lot of choices, but you know, it, it really does have a massive effect on who, who we have around mm. us. And there's a ripple to every choice we make. Yeah. Mm. One, one more question on this. For someone listening that is, you know, because we have, if you're listening, you are fully in love with God and, and Jesus. And this is just confirmation to yeah. hear from a man like this. Yeah. But for someone that might be stale, stagnant, thinking that it's okay, you know God, mm -hmm. you know of him. Yeah. But maybe you don't believe and worship in him. Yeah. 
what would you just say to that person to maybe just bring a different perspective, yeah. um, mind shift? How would you speak to them right now? You know, I, I got past the place of trying to convince people mm -hmm. um, that God is real or that he, he loves them or he wants a relationship with them. But I constantly encourage them to do what I did. Go get honest with him. Yeah. Like, just pour your heart out to him. Tell him what you think, what you believe, how you feel. Because if the God of the universe was big enough to create you, he's big enough to deal with all the issues that you have and all the baggage that we have. And he wants, he wants to show himself real on your behalf more than anybody else. So no matter how much I want to convince somebody that what I believe is real or how powerful it is, he wants it a whole lot more than I do. And yeah. so I have to leave it up to him, you know? So I would really encourage them to, to continue to search. Yeah. You know, uh, I'm glad that I didn't shut that kind of searching mechanism off in my life. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I was open, I was searching and, and I found it. Yeah. And it, it has brought massive joy and peace in my life. So, so beautiful. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And, and with that searching, you find the understanding, that mm -hmm. peace. And obviously you've done so well sure. with your life. Has having a relationship with God impacted, do you think, what you've built and even sure. the contributions and the stuff you're doing with charity sure. now? Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, when we're constantly trying to fill that void in our, in our life, in our heart, um, we'll fill it with everything, mm -hmm. you know? And for me, uh, I go all the way back to that day that I exited my first company and I was struggling with that identity piece. Um, my identity today has nothing to do with the businesses I have, the employees I have, the money I have, the exits I've had, like, right? Like yeah. or the stage or aspire, like yeah. that's not my identity. You know, my identity is a child of God who mm -hmm. was created for a purpose and living in that has given me what success I've had. That's right. I'm super grateful because when you, when you look at life through that lens, you realize like, I, I didn't really, I'm not a smart guy. I didn't, you know, find some magic recipe. I just walked in like this calling that was on my life. And this is the result of that. Mm -hmm. Right. And mm -hmm. so my, my goal each day isn't to exit another company or create more wealth or even make more impact in the world. My goal is really to live in this space of what I was created to be and be the best version of that. Mm -hmm. And all of this comes out of it. Yeah. Amen. That's yeah. so, so beautiful. And we need yeah. more models like yeah. you that her wildly intelligent and extreme leader can build things that sure. speak the way that you speak. And it's not, you know, laying on their jets or cars yeah. and that whole right. thing that the world thinks that that's yeah. going to give them fulfillment right. because at the yeah. end of the day, it's just not, yeah. you know, those things are great. And I just believe so much when money gets in the right hands of the right people, it will just amplify it for does. the right reasons. It's, it's the ultimate, yeah. money is the ultimate revealer, right? Yeah. Like, Money doesn't make people bad. Money just shows what was in their heart in the first place. That's right. Yeah. Do you like pray before you do meetings or the, like? I do. Um, I'm yeah. careful um, in the in the bigger secular yeah. business world that yeah. I live in. Um, I have to be careful and yeah. cautious uh, in that I. It's not about me um, trying to convert everybody around me, but totally. it's, it's about me living my authentic faith. And so, if there's this place yeah. of just if I feel like I need to pray, I'll pray. Yeah. If I feel like I feel compelled to talk about God. I'll talk about mm -hmm. God. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't come from a place of me trying to convince somebody against yeah. their will. It comes from a place of me just being authentically me. That's what I believe, too. It's like yeah. you just model. You just yeah. you're who you are right. and people catch it yeah. and yeah. they feel the difference. They do. Yeah. And, well, oh, sorry. Go ahead. 
I want to know what impresses you about someone. Kindness. Um, one thing that I, uh, one thing that I've realized, you know, and, and I still struggle with it all the time, but ego is such a, um, ego is, is such the antithesis of, of success and what I want to be. It's easy to take a selfie with your jet or your Rolls Royce sitting in front of the jet. Right. Um, but taking a picture with a orphan or something like that, some person that needs impact in their life makes all the difference in the world. And for me, I constantly resisting ego. And so when I find somebody that has like extreme kindness, mm. you know, like Jake, the first time, you know, you, you talk to me, um, I was talking to Alex who books all of our yeah, speakers and stuff awesome. like that. And the way that I described you was he's very kind. And she was like, well, that's Thank awesome. You. I said, no, like, like genuinely kind, like just, I just felt it, you know? And to me, that's, that is what impresses me more than anything. You know, mm -hmm. like somebody who has all, everything in the world and they have humility and mm -hmm. they have success, but yet they don't flaunt it. They have opportunity, but yet they still find a, find a, you know, time to reach down to someone else. Mm -hmm. Like that kindness, it just, it's the world, the world needs it so bad. They just need people that are kind and, mm -hmm. and love. And that's, mm -hmm. that to me is the most impressive thing. That's beautiful. I don't expect you to be a philosopher over here. But if you, <laughs> but if I'll you do were to provide guidance on how people can have genuine kindness mm -hmm. and not maybe, uh, as I would say, maybe calculated mm -hmm. or try hard, try hard. Yeah. like what's yeah. just yeah. an insight on that? The way that I process that is uh, every day I try to have um, a real open conversation with myself. Mm. And what I tell myself every day is, is Eddie, what you believe about you is always not true. What I believe my ceiling is not true. What I believe mm. about, you know, what I believe about myself, I'm, I'm actually a greater version of what I believe about myself. Right. Like that nasty, negative self-talk. And I think if we will get really honest with ourselves, most people just that bravado, like wanting to feel better than someone else will prevent them from ever being kind to someone else. Mm. Right. And I think if we have a real now, uh, there are still some really bad things about Eddie that I have to be honest with Eddie about. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's some really great things about Eddie that I have to be honest with Eddie about. Right. And getting real with myself allows me to put myself in a position where I realize like, I really don't have anything better or more to offer than anyone else. And it puts me in the right position and framework to just be kind, you know, um, and I, I think that it's in understanding who we are and being okay with it allows us to extend kindness because we all have to realize that there are areas of lack in our own lives. And if there are, then someone has to be kind and gracious to me in that area. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's so. good. And for, for those that are listening, first of all, that compliment is very kind. It actually hit me in a different way just because I felt that genuine compliment from you. Yeah. Uh, for those that, you know, are listening, when Emily was speaking at the Spire Tour, um, I was backstage with her and I didn't even know who you were. I seen of you and I just just wanted to connect. Sure. Right. And so something that was really cool, though, is because Emily had this feeling he's different, but we didn't know you were a believer. I was just having a normal conversation with you. Really yeah. interested in that. And, you know, I always like to get a pulse of where people's beliefs are, but I don't mm -hmm. want to be sure too uh, premature in asking that. Mm -hmm. But it was just natural where you 
you brought, I think we were talking about, you asked like what our mission was and we're like, dude, we want to do like what Tony Robbins is doing, but bring the Holy spirit in. And then you, you positively um, responded to that. And that's when then I was able to ask, like, are are you a man of faith? Yeah. And that, when you said yes, that just completely changed the whole dynamic. And I wanted to share that because people are trying to find ways to be genuine in connections Mm -hmm. and, and have that. And hopefully that gives some insight. But what came from that, and this is where I want to pivot with you is you shared about something that I don't think really many people know about, but it is reaching over 2 billion people in the world. And it's your Christian media international. Yeah. And when you were sharing this with me, I'm over here just like, (laughs) what? I I just met this guy and I'm just like, what are you doing for, for God's kingdom? I was like, this is incredible. And I would love for you to one, just share about that because it's, it's worldwide and it's amazing. But two is I want to dive deeper on, that territory of building a media company in the kingdom and, and yeah. how you know there's probably been attacks and different sure. trials so mm-hmm. share about that please yeah it's special. C- cmi um really was and has been my heart for the better part of 10 years we started in 2013 and it really came from somebody who provoked me and said well what was the biggest change in your life and i said well it was when god came into my life like mm-hmm. when i recognized who he was and it changed everything and and he said, well, what are you doing to help others get there? And I thought, well, very little, you know, mm-hmm. like I, I talk to people about it, you know, I'm open with my faith. Um, and I had this whole background in television broadcast and had the TV studios and everything. And I got to a place in 2013 where it was just complete surrender. So I went from a place of just like relationship to like, hey, if you are the creator of the universe and I believe wholeheartedly you are then what am I doing guiding my life? Like, it's time for you to guide it. You know, it's time for you to really take control. And um, and so we had a real strong conversation about that. And I really got to a place of complete surrender where I just said, you know what? Like, you, you have to know better than I do. So what am I doing <laughs> steering this thing, you know? And um, and so I told him whatever I had, whatever he'd given me, I'd use it for his glory. And, um, and the thought came into my head at that point that I really had all these connections and relationships around the world in international media. And um, so I started just messing around with television broadcast and I, I got a phone call. We were putting a broadcast out and I got a phone call. We were just testing in the U.S. Um, and I got a call from a guy who came through Columbus, Ohio, who was in a hotel room. And we just put we literally put our office number on there just to see if anybody would respond. And um, my secretary came in and she said, uh, hey, Eddie, she said, um, there's this guy on there. Uh, he's foreign of some kind. He wants to talk to whoever's responsible for this broadcast. I thought, oh, great. He's mad at me because yeah. you know? we, we would buy our way onto secular TV. Like I, w- I wasn't always like trying to put it into like faith channels. Like, it was more like yeah. I want to buy yeah. secular wow. TV, put a really strong message out yeah. there and see who responds to it. Um, and this Indian man, uh, he gets on the phone. And he said, my name is Israel Velagu. He said, you don't know me. He said, but um, I was watching that broadcast and he said, and something just spoke to me. And he said, I knew I had to call. And I said, OK, well, what can I do for you? He said, my grandfather, he said, was a preacher in India and he was killed for his faith. He was martyred for his faith. And he said, um, I own the largest broadcast company in the country of India. He was like, and I'm doing oh nothing for God. And he said, my grandfather was killed for his faith. He said, and I'm, I'm squandering my opportunity. He said, um, would you ever consider just building a program to like go on my broadcast or my, 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 ch- my channel, my television channel? I said, well, I, I don't know how to do international stuff, but sure, like, we'll try it. We have a studio, we'll, we'll build it. And um, so he 
he said, well, I have to go get uh, governmental. Um, in India, everything goes to the government. They had to approve. He said, if I get approval, then let's do it. Well, we called a week back, week later and he said, hey, I got it approved. I'm ready no to go. Way, he dude. said, I'm oh going to take 30% um, of all my programming. Let's make it faith-based in some kind. He's like, I want education. I want to teach on marriages and family wow. and whatever you can build. And uh, I said, well, what language? He said, I don't know, Hindi or Telugu. And I'm like, okay, well, that's my first problem. Yeah. I don't have someone that you know, can actually yeah. build this, uh, these programs. And we began that that's where we began. And now we're in 108 countries later. We, we actually have 15 studios, big TV studios around the world. Wow. Um, we produce about 72,000 hours of content annually. Oh my gosh. Um, and the goal is uh, the goal is really for us to really tell the story of how Christ has impacted our lives to other people, for them to have the chance to hear it once in their lifetime, in yeah. our lifetime and in their language, you know, and so. We've got our sites set on kind of the top 100 languages. We broadcast in oh 41 of them right now. So um, cool. We have every, so cool. and we, I think we're the only faith-based program that airs on Al Jazeera TV every single day. Um, we buy our way onto all these crazy networks. I think we're the only faith-based program that airs in Iran every day where it's completely wow. illegal. Right. Um, China, we air every day. I mean, like it's it's wild the, the doors that God has opened and up. And that conversation with that guy was when? What uh, year? 2013. Wow. One person. One person. It's just let that sink in real quick. Yeah. Like you were just following your mission. Yeah. Just your God calling. You'd had no idea it'd be even this. One person believed in it and had their mission yeah. be a potential to be answered as well. Yes. And look at what that came. And like, it's, do it's not wild. ever discredit yourself and what you're doing. Like right now, you listening, like one person could change it all. That is such a testament. It, it's about being faithful. Mm -hmm. Um faithful to that calling faithful to those, to those belief systems we have you're so right like so many people they're ready to quit right now and they don't realize like that guy is t in tomorrow's you know uh, in the order of tomorrow yeah. you know and it's like and i've had so many crazy stories I, I was on a plane one time flying from nashville to omaha nebraska and i sit down and my bible is in tucked in my bag and a guy sits right next to me on the plane um, and he said, uh, and he elbows me in a Russian accent says, are you a Christian? And I was like, uh, <laughs> yeah, I am. And I was like, so like you yeah. know, in your face. And I was like, I, I am. He goes, I thought that was a Bible in there. And I said, yeah. And I looked at my, yeah, that's a Bible in there, you know? <laughs> and he was like, can we talk about that? And I was like, oh uh, my gosh. sure. He goes, I just, I just became a believer last week. And he goes, I've got so many questions. And I was like, oh my gosh. Okay. You know, like, I guess we're doing this, you yeah. know? And he, he said, um, yeah, I own a whole television broadcast. We cover all of Russia and all of you. Crane. Stop, and I go, he's no like, do you know anybody that literally just like does like Christian programming? I was like, well, yeah, Stop. I, I do. Yeah. Like divine cra appointment. Cra crazy, crazy stories. Oh, yeah. My gosh. Yeah. That is. But so it's just cool. about following God's plan for your life yeah. and being faithful to it. It he, being faithful. Yeah. And even sometimes when you don't feel like it. Yeah. And it's that obedience factor. It is. You know, that's like what I'm doing right now in so many facets. It's sure. like it's not by choice. Right. Like it's not Emily going, I want to do this. Right. Yeah. It's those quiet moments. Mm -hmm. It is seeking understanding of like, yeah. okay, I hear you loud and clear. Right. Like I need to move forward. Yeah. It's, your man, it's your mandate. Your like, mandate. Mm -hmm. that, that, that was from yeah. your Tim Story interview, yeah. right? Like yeah. you have a mandate on your life. Yeah. People have a mandate. If you know it or not, that doesn't mean you don't have it. You just got to reveal it. Yeah. And you have such and, a mandate. And day. this is when you live that way, you know, I don't have many mm -hmm. days where it's like, mm -hmm. oh, I'm not going to do anything today. Right. I'm feeling down. It's sure. I feel like it's selfish to be that it way. Yeah. And when we live by our feelings mm -hmm. only, right. 
it, we're going to get nothing done and serve no mm. one. So good. Are you driven by service? A hundred percent. Yeah, a hundred percent. To me, I, I don't know if if there's a greater feeling than serving someone else. Um, we started CMI, but then we, you know, recently in the past couple of years started another nonprofit called Impact Others. Because the more I went around the world, the more I saw people who could not serve themselves, you know, like the horrible circumstances. And so we got deep into feeding centers and education and orphanages and clean water projects. And then we've recently been building sustainable businesses around the world. And they're really becoming this ecosystem, this almost like Christian ecosystem, because it's like if you can take the least of these, if you can actually give them opportunity, then you can help educate them. It's like it's amazing what what they can do. Mm -hmm. um, but that's a there's a huge joy in serving oh, others. Huge joy. Yeah, I was 30. I felt like you on the beach for the month. Yeah. Driving a Bentley, couple houses, right. whatever, yeah. felt like rock bottom. Like, yeah. what is all this worth? Yeah. Literally, I remember pulling over to on the side of the road, just being like, I don't feel anything. And what what made you get to that point? What do, what do you think was the catalyst to that? I was working, 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 mm -hmm. and then getting so much praise, feeding mm -hmm. my ego. Mm -hmm. But like, it wasn't doing anything. Like, I, I yeah. didn't... I was like numbing out my relationship with God. I wasn't, sure. it was all for ego mm -hmm. and I didn't know who I was. Yeah. And so I had this moment where I'm like, I need, I need like an extreme pivot. Mm -hmm. So I went to Uganda yeah. and slept in like a hut with the thing over, like, you know, I'm, I like yeah. my glam sure. and I was like, this is crazy. And the whole time I'm like, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. I'm on all these plane rides. We're gonna build a school there that I'll help fund. And I'm like, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, I don't have time for this. Sure. Like every freaking limiting belief came yeah. into my head. I'm yeah. like, no, I need to do it. Right. And when I went there with like, you know, just no makeup, no anything. And I was with those little kids. Mm -hmm. First of all, I wanted to take them home. Yeah. But second of all, <laughs> like looking into their eyes. Yeah. And just seeing like what you can do when you build a proper system. You're mm -hmm. looking at Maslow's hierarchy and, mm -hmm. and doing, you know, from the healthcare on up. Eddie, that transformed me from the inside out. I was like, we gotta hurry up. <laughs> we need to make more money. We need to stop right. being selfish. It right. changed wow. me yeah. to this point of like, what are we doing? I feel like every person mm -hmm. needs to go to a third world country. Yeah. Every person. Yeah. But then for me, I just locked in and devoted mm -hmm. my life to God. And I'm like, you know what? Sure. Like if, if it's not driven by faith, I don't want any part of it. And I just mm. died to my old self. Yeah. Love it. And it's just like, ugh. it's awesome. Yeah. It's incredible though, isn't it? It's, it's it so is. freeing. I, I think, um, we have, we feed and educate about 4,000 children a day right now. It's been this crazy journey, wow. but I got to tell you, um, there's something about holding an orphan, uh, who's rarely felt love in their life. And there's an energy uh, that is absorbed by caring for someone like that. This never experienced love. Like mm. you've never been hugged by someone like you are an orphan that has never felt love. You've never, you know, like you've never felt more joy than to like serve a child that is rarely served food, you know, like, and um, I've had those moments. I've had lots of those moments. I take a lot of, every year I take about four or five trips and I invite business people and I, and I like inviting big CEOs. And uh, I like taking them into places where I know their life is going to be changed. Wow. Um, there's a place I take them in Colombia next to our studio. And you stay in a, probably a five-star 
hotel, beautiful. I mean, food's amazing. And less than a mile away, there's more girls trafficked out of Venezuela than any other place on the planet. And it's the most despicable, horrible, unbelievable place you've ever seen. And you feel it. You get a half a mile from it. You, you feel it. Mm -hmm. And you know it. And when you get there and you see it. And I've watched, you know, these billionaires literally just break down and cry. Just like I, I they could, you, you don't know what to do with that, mm. you know. Yeah. Um, but no, I love that. I love that. That's awesome. Uh. You know, there's a, a conversation that really isn't um, too commonly talked about. And it's about when you take new territories mm -hmm. in the kingdom, mm -hmm. right? With CMI, with yep. impact others through all these things you're doing, but maybe just even CMI in specific. Yeah. Is there a specific uh, situation or story that has come up when you started to expand? You've had, yeah. whether spiritual attacks or people trying to break you down that maybe if you're open to sharing, but also to give light to people that maybe sure. are feeling something like that right now. Yeah, literally dozens and dozens of stories like that. When you try to go into a place where darkness has claimed it for decades, centuries, um, you're in for a fight. Yeah. And uh, and I think that it's impacted a lot of areas of my own life that I'm still I'm still processing. You know, I think it's impacted areas of family and relationship. Um, but one one kind of amazing story is the country of Pakistan. Uh, Pakistan, we we have a studio and we broadcast about an hour outside of where Osama bin Laden was captured. Um, so you think about just like the the territory in your mind, right? Mm -hmm. You've you've got kind of this like territory that's very much controlled um, by the strongest factions of of uh, terrorist states, mm -hmm. right? Um, and what's been fascinating about that is watching now we've we literally had a church that on christmas uh had a um had a suicide bomber come in and detonate there are a lot of people that lost mm -hmm. their life um and the pastor who is actually on our television broadcast we don't i don't take mega church pastors and i put them on tv i take like ones that have a congregation of 50 that are never going to find notoriety that just are doing it because they love they love yeah. jesus and oh. and um and that's how we that's how we create these programs um, and, you know, listening to him talk, I was talking to him on FaceTime after it all happened and, um, and just listening to the, to the sound of his voice and just the, the trembling. And I, I knew he wasn't afraid. He was just hurting, mm -hmm. you know, and, um, and he was struggling with, is this a choice I made? Did I put a, did I put mm -hmm. a, did I put a target on our back? And, uh, and I remember talking to him and it was a couple days after Christmas, after it happened. And I said, no. I said, in the end, I said, you are in one of the darkest places on the planet. Yeah. And I said, there's always a target on your back. And I said, and if you don't think you're in for a fight, and we've talked about this at length. And I remember the, the words he said that night. He said, um, he said, Eddie, he said, um, here's where I am. He said, if, if they're willing to kill me for their faith, I'm willing, I'm willing to die for mine. And that was the words he said. And I I put that all over our walls at our studios. I mean, like, cause to me, it was like one of those profound moments where he said, there's something more valuable in this life than just my life. Yeah. And that is everybody else's life deserves sacrifice. It's the very picture of Jesus, you know, like right. somebody giving their life so that others can have life. Yeah. And I remember just like being so emotional in that moment as he said that. And I said, can I tell people you said that? He said, Eddie, I'm going to go on national TV and say that wow. the next oh Easter. So that was Christmas. Easter comes and uh, 
he led a procession. He, he preached in that church and he basically taught a message that was that, like, if they're willing to kill us for their faith, then we should be willing to die for ours. And uh, he had 800 Pakistani believers at dawn on Easter morning, going through the streets, you can see it on our social media pages, singing hallelujah jesus is lord he's risen from the dead you know like just singing and 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 praising god through the streets and it was like i like i i I just chills still talking about i get chills about it but it's just like where there's darkness uh light is always gonna be uh it's gonna be challenged and um but when that light shines through the stories are incredible yeah i mean like and we have thousands of stories. We've planted almost 200 churches in Pakistan. It's like just from the broadcast. We have hundreds and thousands of believers coming to Christ. Like it's it's amazing. And when when God deems it's time for that light to shine through, there's not a force in this world or on the planet or in the universe that could ever stop it. Isn't that what makes the stars stars? Yeah. It's by yeah. just outshining the darkness around us. That's it. right. Yeah, that's special. Yeah. Have you noticed any like just targeting on you that you've had to be protective of like spiritual like because you know and i say this in a way that you're a leader Mm -hmm. we're leaders when we've proclaimed especially publicly about what we're doing the mission Mm -hmm. the the transformations we we led an event a few months ago and in one week before uh we we went to a new church because we moved Mm -hmm. we loved the pastor and he is he's able to speak to people that aren't believers which is a very rare trait I had a calling. I was like, you have to, I didn't have speakers on my event. It was us, just us two. I was like, you have to speak at the end of our event. It's mm-hmm. optional. He was like, absolutely. He spoke at the end of the event. We said it's optional, but you know, we kind of said in a way, yeah. like, you want to be here. Yeah. This is going to be something. Yeah. 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 And he, and he spoke and, um, gave a great message about Moses, yeah. um, which was so, so powerful. But then he, uh, allowed for people to accept Christ or recommit. And we, you know, had like 200 or so people in the audience and, wow. and 27 people gave their life. Yeah. That's awesome. And not only did they do that, um, he, there was a lot of people that were hurting in there that mm-hmm. we could feel it. And we asked if they could stay a little longer to pray over people individually. And so I announced that. And he's like, yeah, of course. You know, he had church the next morning. It was a Saturday night. And he's like staying until like 10 at night. Wow. And the moment I announced, I couldn't even finish my sentence. And there was a line of like 50 people. Just lines. (laughs) Yeah. Bawling their eyes out, crying. We found out some people were almost suicidal, Mm -hmm. uh, darkness, depression. Bankruptcy, one of them. So the reason I share that is because when we took that bull step, that was the first time we've done that at an event. That opened up new doors, but it also opened up doors of Mm -hmm. attack. Yeah. And so for people that are maybe listening to this, um, just like, have you, have you experienced that? How did yeah. you, or how do you overcome that? How do you yeah. protect yourself? Yeah, no doubt. And even a, you know, the choice I made three years ago to allow my story to be told and to begin to come on shows like yours and go on stages, yeah. like that was a very intentional choice. Um, and uh, in that choice, I made that choice that I would, if I was gonna take a stage, if I was gonna, proclaim what God had done in my life. I wasn't going to leave him out of it. Yeah. Um, and that has served me well, but it also brings a lot of opposition. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know why, um, you know, other than it's just, I think, biblical. And in, in the sense, yeah. it's like, um, but so many people are hurting. And I think they point to so many things of why they hurt. And and I, I have to go back and point out that, like, man, you know, men and men, man and men, we, we do hurt people. We're, we're fallible. Like we, yeah. we, we make wrong choices. Like we, we do things that, you know, are detrimental. And, 
but God doesn't. Like God mm -hmm. is love at his core. He is love. Like there is no hurt coming from God. Mm -hmm. it, if, if there's been someone that's hurt, it's because it's because it's man's representation of God. Yeah. And what I constantly do is I I get a lot of opposition. I'll get people that'll say things. I'll naturally get DMs from a show like this. You know, like from even people that are investors in my companies or employees, whatever. And the thing is, is I constantly just go back to this place of, of I'm sorry for how poorly man has represented God because mm -hmm. we are such a poor representation of God. And if your experience with God is represented by some person, you're missing mm -hmm. the God of the universe because mm -hmm. he's so much greater, right? Yeah. And I, I constantly point it to a place of positivity and who God is versus dealing with this like, I'll, I'll, you know, most people will attack me and say, well, you know, you, 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 you know, whatever, like they'll find a million things to poke at you about. Mm -hmm. And to me, I just go back. My identity is not all those things you're talking yeah. about. I don't need to defend myself. Yeah. You know, like uh, who I am is a child of God. He mm -hmm. created me. I'm on this earth for a purpose. And I just can't let all that stuff hit me. You know, yeah. I just, I need to keep pushing forward and help them understand that I'm not, I, I'm, while I'm an ambassador for Christ, I'm sometimes the worst representation of it. And even mm -hmm. sitting here, I'm a horrible representation of God, right? Like, because he's infinite. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, we all I'm, are. I'm fallible, <laughs> yeah, right? Like, yeah. and so I, my words could never be eloquent enough. Um, you know, the feeling I could evoke is never going to be great enough. Yeah. And so I just constantly just go back to this place of like, if you would experience God, it would change your life, you know? And, and so I just constantly stay in that vein yeah. and avoid, you know, really worrying about all the naysayers and the negativity. So you're saying even when you feel those attacks or people coming at you, you're just letting it yeah. not penetrate through you, but just go around you. Yeah. Keep moving forward. Remind yourself that you're a child of God. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm sure still staying diligent in your in your prayer, oh, you yeah. know, praying over for yourself, sure. your family. Absolutely. Staying in the word. That's yeah. one thing that's, that's strong for us is when we feel that you nothing's to. nothing's going to protect you more than reading yeah. the word. Yeah. Is that, is that what? Yeah. 100%. Yeah. 100% agree. Yeah, I mean, there's some fundamentals to that for sure. Um, and, you know, in, in the end, uh, God's big enough to protect us all too, Amen. you know, and uh, we just have to claim his promises and understand who we are and in standing with him and let him kind of handle it all. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, yeah. Love, so, yeah. I, I love that. You're, you're just like fearlessly obedient. It's, I try to be. It's so good. And you live your life by example. And you know, I get asked so much about like personal brand and this and that. Mm -hmm. And I say it all the time. I'm like, I don't care who you are, what you built, what you do. I'm like, the best thing you can do is give value and wisdom mm -hmm. of what you learn through experience, but also be honest and vulnerable. Sure. And I believe the best personal brands that oscillate between the two. Mm -hmm. And that's what the world wants to hear. Yeah. They want a human right. leader. Yeah. Teach me something. Yeah. Eddie, that's what you're doing. I'm trying. It, you know, Thanks. there's such a... And I feel bad for everybody out there trying to build brands because there's such an, an auspice. There's such a, a down pressure from the world to be something, you mm. know, like mm. fit in this mold. Right. So we talked about it before we got on the yeah. podcast. It's like when I decided three years ago, I would kind of like be open with yeah. my story. The first thing I did was I watched everybody else was being open with their story. and It was all chest beating and mm -hmm. pictures with their jets and yeah. stuff. And I was like, I, I don't think I could do that. You know, yeah. like and that was what prevented me from ever doing it in the first place, because I didn't know if I could just be authentic and if people yeah. would hear the story. Yeah, um, you, you, you just really, I want to interject on sure. that. That's actually really cool. 
the way you just described about God being like, you know, if you're judging God off of one person and mm -hmm. experience, then you don't really know God is right. You were judging personal brands and how because of those few people. I absolutely was. Wow. The loudest voices, um, you know, we think we have to replicate. Yeah. And there's room for every voice. Like that's yeah. the part that I was missing is like, no, there's there was 30 guys out there beating their chest. Like, where were the guys that were like the quiet leaders, the ones that are like, I'm just going to be quiet, but I'm going to make a massive impact on this world. Which, which, when you talk about your three steps for companies and it's the IP, yeah, mm -hmm. that's your unique proposition. That's yeah. your it factor. Yeah, it is. That's your it factor. Mm -hmm. And I think everyone has an it factor. They right? do. I mean, and instead of trying to fit in this mold, it's like they just need to find out who they uniquely are and mm -hmm. serve that space. Mm -hmm. yeah. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. I, I want to add in one thing um, just to all this. And I was having a conversation. Uh, we were at a uh, Tony Robbins event mm -hmm. uh, up in his uh, private guest section, which was so awesome, just world-class people. Mm -hmm. And there was a very influential person there I got to have a conversation with and uh, big personal brand, all these things. And had some dilemmas, some struggles, things mm -hmm. like that he's going through. And I asked him, I was like, what does it mean to be vulnerable? Mm -hmm. And this is so key because words are different meanings depending mm -hmm. to how you attach yeah. uh, your perception around it. I was like, what does it mean to be vulnerable when you're a personal brand? Mm -hmm. And he mentioned, he was like, you know, I think it means to like reveal this and that. And, and, and the, the word reveal stuck with me real mm -hmm. quick. And I was like, interesting. I was like, for you to be vulnerable, you think you have to reveal things like open mm -hmm. kimono, like yeah. share it all. Sure. I was like, what if being vulnerable is more of just you being authentic and just truly who you are mm -hmm. without hesitation yeah and he sat there and he's just like i haven't thought of it that way mm -hmm. and it was that little shift mm -hmm. and maybe for someone that's listening as well you don't have to think that when you build a personal brand you have to be vulnerable by revealing all your bad stuff sure. sharing your dirty right. laundry no 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 being vulnerable is just being authentic mm -hmm. and, and aligned with who you truly mm -hmm. are right and I just, I, I had to download it that I had, I felt like I had to really share that because I feel like that person was not the only one that sure. struggled with this word vulnerable. Yeah. Like, what does that mean to you when you hear that? I think you perfectly described it and being vulnerable, you know, I often get asked, um, you know, I, I, I believe wholeheartedly in truth is always the answer. Mm. No matter how hard it is to deal with the truth, like truth is something that will make us free, right? Like. And I tell my staff, it's one of the big three things that I preach at our companies all the time, right? Integrity, honesty, passion. And uh, with truth comes this uh, acceptance of whatever is, is, yes. right? And I think, you know, vulnerability is a synonym for truth. And where truth is, there's power. Mm, that's right. And when I can live in who I am without ever disguising it, now I don't have to always reveal the bad stuff. I don't have to tell you about every bad decision I ever made. But the reality of it is, is if I just okay with the fact that there is a person who does make some good decisions and some bad decisions and I am who I am, then it's being willing to just live in truth. And mm. truth is where all freedom mm. is. It's where all power yeah. is. Wow. Oh, so, and it's intoxicating mm. when somebody is actually who they are. There's a sure. resonance to it. There is. You can feel it. Yeah. It's oh. a, the energy levels here. It is. And you know, it's, it's the, the awesome thing is I think sometimes when you get attacked, going back to being attacked, yeah. um, if you are who you are and you are just being authentic, you don't feel the need to defend it. You know, I had a guy the other day, uh, he said, uh, he, I was on Dan Fleischman's podcast and he said, Oh really? You exited 93 companies. And my, my first, you know, thought is like, well, I'll give you all the list of all 93, you know, like, <laughs> and it's like, wait a minute. Like I, 
what does it matter? I've done it. Like, what do I, who, right. why, why do I have to prove that over right. again? You know, it's like, it's just like, no, truth is truth. Just go do the research. You'll yeah. find them. You know, like, yeah, it's just, yeah. it's so funny. It's like sometimes, you know, if you're just willing to live in truth, which to me is true vulnerability, mm-hmm. you don't have to defend anything. You just yeah. are who you are, you know? Oh, yeah. solid. It's, it's interesting, you know, not to make this ever political, but it used to be in kind of the political scenes you had to be something that was like elevated above the public. Mm. In, in recent days, uh, it's funny how even our, our society is pushing towards like, we don't really care what you've done, just be honest about it. You exactly. know exactly. Like, and now yeah. you're finding like people accept things in politicians that years ago they would have like got yeah. you know hammered for. And it's like now they just kind of look at him and go, well, as long as he was honest or as right. long as she was honest, right? Right. And uh, the world desires it. And it's that resonance. It's when you mm-hmm. feel the authenticity, when you feel when you feel truth, it's like, oh, that's real. Yeah. Like, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Well, they, they still desire someone to be elevated, mm-hmm. but it's just a different type of value now, elevated yeah. by significance. Yeah. Mm-hmm or making relatability versus truth, right? So there's still that desire to look up towards someone, Mm -hmm. but we just have our values really misconstrued. So not to go down that rabbit hole, but. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I wanna know what does someone like you do before the end of the year? Like, do you you think about like your whole up and coming year? Like what is your process for that? So for me, um, there's a couple of processes I go through. I do a lot of year-end annual planning for next year. Um, we currently have 17 companies that I own and operate and run mm-hmm. inside of the private equity firm. Um, so we do a lot of planning. Uh, we do a lot of tax planning. You know, like our business kick off a lot of cash that we have to manage the taxable liabilities and all that type of stuff. Um, my favorite thing I do though is at the end of the year, um, it goes back to that thing that my father taught me, which is time is the most important resource mm-hmm. I have. I track everything I do. There's a little app on my phone called Toggle and I toggle everything. And so like, I make sure that like, <laughs> she's like, she write should, that yeah, down. She's pointing over yeah. like, all right. <laughs> I was going to be like, all right, toggle. Yeah, yeah. We'll toggle. So, uh, but I'll toggle everything I do. And so then my CFO and I will have a long conversation about what I call my active income production. Mm-hmm. Now I've got a lot of investments and in real estate and all kinds of stuff like that. And I don't look, look at that because that to me funds everything else I do, the nonprofit, everything like that but my active income, what I actually exchange my time for. And every year we go through an exercise where I look back at my year. And like last year, I know that I average 11.4 hours a day. I average six days a week. I know how many hours I worked. I know like everything. And I go back through and I've done this uh, for 12 years now. And I look back and I know to the degree, like right now, like every hour of my time is worth active income, what I exchange my time for, $837. And I know that this year, in 2023, always 837, 837. My goal is to get it over a thousand this year, you know, and now I give most of my money away. So it really doesn't, I'm not trying to get it to like, you know, buy something. What I want is to always uh, take the time, my most valuable resource and make sure that I'm exchanging it for the highest value to go make the greatest impact. Mm. And so that's my favorite activity we do every year. I'm looking forward to it. I think I'm gonna be close to the thousand dollars an hour earned uh, for every hour it worked. Um, and and I, I put everything into, whether it's a speaking engagement, if it's you know me, me in meeting time, you know, if, and, and I love to work. So too, it's so. active. It's yeah. not it's not your 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 net worth of no. uh, assets and such. It's what you're currently doing time for hour type yeah. of thing. Yeah. So like, for instance, like if um, I have a bunch of real estate, we have about 4000 doors. And so like all of that's very passive. I don't run it. I right. don't manage it. It's just, you know, it's mm-hmm. just out there to right. help fund the nonprofit and stuff like that. 
So how does someone start on that? Like if they base, want to do basic? I, I say, I get that question all the time. And I think that at least blocking out what you believe you spend your time on, on a weekly basis, mm -hmm. and then understanding what active income comes from that and kind of at least bucketing it. You know, like there are three or four things. Usually most people don't earn money outside of three or four things. So look at all the activities that you do that generate some income and mm -hmm. understand what your value is. Um, it helps too with your mental state as you begin to, to do more work. It's like, for me, I know that every hour that somebody asked me for a meeting, that cost me $837, uh -huh. you know, it's like- And this is a costly my... interview here right now. <laughs> it, it is. But I say this, you know, quit majoring in minor activities. Yeah, right. And, you know, our buddy Tim Story and I, like yes. he's such a good friend slash mentor to me. And he's right. like, you can't say yes to everything anymore. Yeah. He's like, we have to protect you. Yeah. He's coming you in as to. Papa Bear. He's like, stop. You have to. And I'm like- I feel that because it's it's yeah. not even just it's energy. Yeah, it's energy costs yeah. as well. Yeah, like do you feel that? Are you 100%. an introvert? Or are you an extrovert? Or so I'm you? actually I'm an introvert. Yeah, um, I actually do not get energy from people. I, I if yeah. I stand on stage at Aspire, you'll find me backstage kind of by myself for a little while. Yeah, yeah, same. Um, it takes the energy from me now. It, I don't mind doing anything if it's going to serve a purpose or there's a means to, to an end, right? Yeah. Like if it's going to serve a purpose, I'm all in. Mm -hmm. um, and so I had to get to a place mentally aspired yeah. that it actually served a purpose for me to be on stage before I could actually make myself go do it. Wow. You know? So, so when you're like trying to make a decision and your assistant comes mm -hmm. to you and whatever, do you, is there a process that Eddie goes through in mm -hmm. his head yeah. to ask, like walk me through that for a second. When you have 17 companies, um, and lots of investments and lots of people that kind of, you know, report up to you and three gorgeous boys, <laughs> three amazing yeah. humans that call me dad. Um, that's the hardest thing is managing and making sure that you're leaving time for what's important in your life. Um, and so there are some sacred moments. Um, but we, we manage everything. And one great thing that my dad did for me was my dad worked from sunup to sundown. He was building his business. He was grinding. Mm -hmm. When I was younger, he had nothing. And then he finally made it later in life. Um, and one thing that my dad did was he always said to me, tell me what, tell me what's important for me to be at. I can't be at every basketball game, every football game, every baseball game. Tell me which ones you want me there for. And he always showed up for the ones I needed him there. Mm -hmm. And that made it an indelible difference in my life because I realized like, uh, my dad's chasing his dreams, which gave me the passion and the desire to chase my own dreams. But yet he also was present in those moments I needed him to be present. There's, I can never look back on this like important moment in my life and think like, was my dad there? No, he was there, you right. know, but was he there? Was he out working 10, 12, 15 hours a day? Yeah, absolutely. Was he traveling and doing everything he could to make his businesses work? Yeah, absolutely. And so for me, it's about prioritization, mm -hmm. you know, um, and my son, he's a senior this year and I ask him which games are most important. You know, like we had the same conversation mm -hmm. and am I going to make it to all of his games? No, um, I'm going to make it yeah. to probably half of them his senior year, Yeah, but I'm gonna be at the ones that are important to him. I'm going to yeah. make sure that I'm there and we, you know, Emma and I went through and we marked it all off and no travel on those days. Um, so I start with family first and make mm -hmm. sure that they're priority. Uh, the second thing is, is um, I make sure that I architect my life in a way that I'm there in the, in the places where I'm most significant, not relevant. Mm -hmm. If, if you have to have me in the business, I've made, I've made a wrong choice along the way and we're going to architect myself back out of it. Right? Like, cause I want to exponentially increase my, my, you know, influence. And so I'm constantly looking at that and that's a conversation we're constantly having in my office is like, okay, why do they need me there? Do they want me there? Can I contribute or do they need me? If they need me, we, we need to have a different conversation, re-architect this thing. Um, so we're constantly going through a prioritization matrix. Mm. Yeah. Wow. What do you think? 
So <laughs> I, that last part was uh, really profound because I found that where sometimes you um, are in a, a meeting and you shouldn't be there, mm -hmm. right? And so the, the tough thing is the conversation of yeah. how to tell those people, right. hey, like, because for example, it's a half hour meeting, 10 minutes in, you realize mm -hmm. you shouldn't be there. Mm -hmm. Some people are just so afraid to yeah. step out because right. they don't want to hurt feelings, but that's 20 minutes. Imagine if yeah. that's multiple times a week. Yeah. So what would you say to someone that maybe is in that situation? They're in these weekly meetings yeah. or whatnot that they shouldn't be in. Yeah. Um, if we have a healthy respect for our own time and others' times, then we should be able to have that conversation all the time. Now, I have a fantastic EA. She crushes it. She does a great job. I can't tell you how many times I've sat in a meeting and I was sitting there going, you know what? I, my time would be better served somewhere else. And I'll tell her, Hey, could you sit here and make sure you take notes on anything that's needed for me? Right. Mm. Or if she's not available, I just designate someone. Hey, uh, you take notes on my behalf. I'm going to go do something else. I'm not completely relevant to this meeting. Make sure that you take notes. If there's anything, any points that I need to take care of and get that's to them afterwards. The other thing too, is I very much believe in Parkinson's law, which is like to the degree that we ever allow something to happen, we'll fill that entire time mm -hmm. period. So instead of um, when Emma sets up meetings for me, she doesn't say, do you need a half hour, an hour with Eddie? She usually says, hey, I'm gonna get you on a schedule for 15 minutes. And most people are like, 15 minutes, how am I gonna do everything I need to do in 15 minutes? What's amazing is, is they always get done everything they need to yeah. in 15 minutes that normally would take somebody else a half hour. Again, it's about shrinking that time yeah. down. And so most meetings, if you go through a typical corporate meeting, they start off like this. So how's your day? And you know, how do the Rams do or whatever? And for two minutes, three minutes, five minutes, you're getting warmed up. And then we slowly get into it or there's agendas or whatever. Most people come into my meetings full on sprint, right? It's like, okay. And they, and they say this all the time. Like I'll get them on a zoom call and I'll say, Okay, so I only have 15 minutes. So I'm gonna jump right into it. It's like, uh -huh. okay, that's what I want, right? Like I I, I love relationships, I wanna build it. Yeah. But in the end, it's like, I could typically do double what everyone else can do in a day because yeah. I'm very, very cautious with my time. Oh, this is that's, so, that's this like is so good. Right yeah, there. I started to, I instead of 30 minute blocks, I'm like 15 yeah. and this chick was like, kept emailing my team like, I need more time, I need yeah. more. And they're like, no, that's all you get. So we got on and she was like, okay, we only have 15 minutes. So and I, cause same thing, I cannot, I cannot yeah. stand it. Yeah. I'm like, let's go, let's go, let's yeah. go. Right. And you have to have that urgency. You do. Yeah. Otherwise you're gonna get yeah. nothing it's, done. What you're talking about with Tim's story, it's like the ability to say no is the most important ability that yeah. you have, you know? Yeah. And if you can't say no, then get somebody else to say no for that's you, so you know? Um, yeah. If you can't do it, then get a gatekeeper. But yeah, I do the same thing, 15 minute meetings. And I always tell the person, if we go, if we run over and there's a need for more time, I'll give you another 15, you yeah. know, like later, you yeah. know, but yeah. it's not that I'm, I'm stingy with it. I just want to make sure that it's truncated. Yeah. 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 We, we've gone so many different routes here, but we literally skipped over the reason why we're here is because of Aspire Tour. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I think it's so important because of the vision of what you've done. It's going to be inspirational for for the listener here, uh, but also you guys are basically nationwide, so mm -hmm. I'm sure they could attend one of your events. Sure. We found you because of Aspire Tour. Mm -hmm. You took on this vision. Um, I would love for you to share, like, with this, like, where do you see this going? Mm -hmm. Like, share a little bit about Aspire Tour and where do you see this going? Because your vision is something that inspires us. Sure. I know a leader listening to this right now is inspired by that, even yeah. if they're not at that level, mm -hmm. uh, they could still do it in some way. Like, share about the Aspire Tour. Yeah, the Aspire Tour was actually the vision of my business partner, Andrew Cordell. Um, he had spent a lot of time on stages around the world, and I love building community and serving community. 
to me, the greatest businesses I've ever built were having a community and serving the community. So mm -hmm. the 86 that I had up until 2019, most of them were tied to different communities that I had. And um, Andrew convinced me that there's this world of entrepreneurs out there that have more of a positive searching mindset than a negative mindset. Yeah. And he said, they all want a place to like gather, find inspiration and the next step. Um, he said, uh, you know, we, he said, well, I'll, let's do one event. We decided to try one in Dallas, Texas this past year, earlier in the year. And I said, if it goes well, and this group of people wants this kind of context, then I'll, I'll continue. And so Andrew and I began to invest and build the Aspire Tour. Um, and it's been a resounding, you know, like we need it's this, we want this, we love this. Yeah. The energy of these meetings are incredible. Mm -hmm. And you're putting together over 80% of these people are business owners, a lot of small business owners, people that are, aren't on their last leg or not struggling to make ends meet. These are people that are just wanting to do more, like yeah. wanting to create, yeah. knowing that they're created for more. Yeah. And now there's this crazy community. Like I was, we were just in Houston, Texas the other day and um, biggest event we've ever put on. We sold out again. And uh, this guy comes up to me and he said, Eddie, he said, I'm so glad uh, I get to see you again. And I was like, again, he goes, yeah, this is my fourth Aspire. And I'm uh -huh. like, are you traveling around the country? He was like, yes. He was like, it's awesome. And and we found more and more people just like kind of traveling yeah. with us. You how, know? how does yeah. that make you personally feel? Well, it, it makes yeah. me feel great because the mission behind this is, is really a selfless mission to mm -hmm. try to get them to go to the next level. Mm -hmm. um, really without even an understanding of how we'll truly monetize it later on. But this yeah. community will kind of look at this community and determine what they need and serve them. Um, and uh, it's been pretty incredible. Uh, the amount of just DMs and, you know, messages about people that they've had some crazy experience uh, has been incredible. Yeah. And well, the, the energy has been fantastic. It's it's so cool because you have like a different lineup of speakers. Yeah. And when you are an entrepreneur, like you need you need that in, like that, like energy. Right. Sure. And mm -hmm. and then you can catch a nugget here or there, the yeah. networking and like attracts like. So because of the lineup, because mm -hmm. of who you guys are it attracts all these like-minded people that then sure. they can network. And I just think it's so wildly important. And because of like the pandemic and things shifting and everything online, people want to be at these mm -hmm. events. They do. Like it's, it's game changer. Yeah. So okay. Good. This is my selfish question for you. Yeah. yeah. I think she's the best human in the entire world, <laughs> <laughs> but you guys had her speak on your stage. Yeah. She was fantastic. What, did you see and you don't have to just share yeah. share the real rawness uh what did you see like what made you say yes to her when you wanted to put her on your stage you know uh we've got a good friend tim story and um if tim says it i take stock in it mm -hmm. and um we were kind of looking for female speakers it's really difficult to find female speakers especially they can speak business or brand um, that are authentic. Mm. And I can't tell you how many we went through and just watched like, okay. And it was like, nope, veto, veto, yeah. veto, you know? Yeah. And we watched one of your podcast episodes and I was like, okay, that she seems real. Well, um, Alex, who books all of our talent, had a conversation with Tim's story about you. And he said, Emily's the real deal. Like she's awesome. Wow. And, uh, and he said, what you see is actually what you will get. Her heart will come out on mm. stage. And to me, that's what I want because I want equality on the stage. I want every race. I want every gender. That's it's right. like, I yeah. want, I want somebody sitting in the stage. That's a, you know, an aspiring entrepreneur or somebody that's sitting there trying to look for something to find someone on stage to go, Oh, I identify with them. So I'm mm -hmm. trying to be very selective and make sure it's very, very diverse. Yeah. yeah. So trying to find, um, women that will stand up and speak, 
uh, is tough. Yeah. Um, because many of them love to speak inside of their own kind of world. Like the, you know, if it's a woman's event, you can find women speakers like right. crazy. Mm -hmm. When I tell them, Hey, so over 65, 70% are going to be males. Then it's just like, mm, I don't know. I'm not, right. I don't know if I'm interested in doing that, you yeah. know? Um, and, and the thing is, is it's like, but still 35, 40% are women sitting out there that mm -hmm. all they ever get to hear is a male speaking mm -hmm. about right. these concepts. Like at what point are right. we have women stand up and do this? Yeah. You know? So um, we've had some amazing women speakers, um, mm -hmm. but it's it's harder to find. It's harder to find than you would mm -hmm. think for sure. But you did fantastic. You. The audience definitely resonated. Um, you. Yeah, did, I know. did you know she would uh, speak so much about just kind of like faith type before? No. I did not. No. And it was a blessing to me because so few people are willing to share that. Mm. And um, and to me, because it's who I am, yeah. um, I don't always get to share that when I want to, yeah. you know, yeah. but to bring someone else in. Um, it's why I've had Tim Tebow come speak at multiple events. Yeah. And it's because I love Tim's message. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I love him as an authentic human being, you yeah. know. Um, but no, I, I didn't, but I was very, very grateful. You know, Thank Tim's you. story always does. You yeah. did, obviously. Yeah. We've had a few, um, yeah. but yeah, it was amazing. I appreciate you sharing yeah. that because, yeah. you know, we have we have aspiring speakers as well. Yeah. So to hear that insight of what you're looking for sure. is very helpful. Yeah. And you did mention there was some no's of like, you see certain things. Do you mind just giving a couple tips to a speaker? On sure. Yeah. What yeah. You I avoid? mean, the way that we, we look at Aspire, the way we kind of like judge whether or not we'll have somebody on the stage or not right mm -hmm. now. And we've got, I think, 14 events planned for next year. And we're going like big stadiums now and, you know, going bigger. <laughs> so awesome. And it's like, but what we look at is this number one, they need to have some sort of an audience or a following, yeah. right? Um, it's really hard to just put someone who has no audience up on a stage because you don't know how well they're going to, they could be the most authentic, amazing, you know, content, but then you put them on a stage that large and it's tough to carry a stage that it large is. and yeah. hold their attention and yeah. engage them. Yeah. Um, Number two, they need a track record of some success in what they're teaching. Yeah. I don't believe in kind of the guru mentality. Don't no. tell me how to do it. Show me that you did. Right. And then explain to me the steps of which it yes. happened, you know. Um, and so I'm okay with even some people that maybe have a different belief system that I have or they, they see the world in a different way. Totally fine. I just want to see some level of success mm -hmm. based on what they believe and how they act, mm -hmm. you know. Um, I'm tired of the pay for the guru type mentality yeah, same. and, um, I just want authenticity. Same. Yeah, so. And, and moving from that, that's why I'm so excited for you to step out. Yes. Yeah. Uh, for real, because I'm tired <laughs> the world of that needs too. You. Yeah. It's like smoke and mirrors and yeah. The, yeah, and mirrors. yeah. So what's on the horizon for Eddie? That's a big, I big know. question. It is. Um, because I feel like I'm already doing everything I want to do. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, I have a lot of business aspirations, but those business aspirations ultimately tie, tie back into impact. Mm -hmm. um, I want to get our impact others organization up to feeding 10,000 children a day in short order. That's my big, big goal. I want the world to hear about Jesus. That's a mm -hmm. huge, huge goal of ours. Mm -hmm. um, everything else I do fits inside of those yeah. buckets. Um, so for me, even should I stand on stage or should I come on podcast is tied to, well, does it further mm -hmm. that mission? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And when it aligns with that, I'm all in, you know, um, everything from time, money, resources, every, everything, you know, like yeah. I'm all in. And so that's what's next on the horizon is just a continuing path. I, I don't plan to have my own life architected, you know, as much as I want to. Yeah. Uh, but I know the one who does. Yeah. And I just want to walk in that plan and fulfill that. It's Beautiful. good. Yeah. I have like one last question. Yeah. We can... yeah. 
Eddie, 10 years from now, I know you're like 22 or something like that, right? So you're, (laughs) you're young. Eddie, 10 years from now gets to come back and talk to Eddie right after this podcast. And he gives something, only one specific nugget, wisdom, insight Mm -hmm. from that 10 years of this journey. What would be that one thing he would say to you that would really accelerate you or prevent you from going certain ways? I think the biggest thing I would say back to myself would be the same thing I would tell myself 10 years from behind now, right? Mm -hmm. In my 34 year old self. And that is, is ego always creates a ceiling and it prevents true success. Stay selfless and stay kind and everything you want happens. You know, like selfless and kind is, has been the key to every success I've had. Mm. And to me, that's what I want. I think that's what I'll tell myself again. It's what I tell my children, you know, like, I think if I can live there, that is the secret. That's the secret to the success I want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Yep. So, Where can people find you? Uh, Eddie Wilson official uh, okay. is all my social tags. And then I still manage my own social. I still okay. respond to my DMs I and try to as much as I can. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's that's usually where I, I exist. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thank yeah. you guys. I want to acknowledge you it. too, yeah. man, for you doing this, thank to you. be part of this, to share your message, to live boldly. There's not many others really out there like you. You are one of a kind and, thank you. and I honor that. And I truly believe your success that you've created to this date, it's only going to get bigger, but the, also the intersection of what you're doing for the kingdom. It's truly one of a kind. And I think you're going to speak to people in ways that no one else can because they can see that you've had it all and it wasn't enough. Yeah. And they could also see your heart and realize this guy's the real deal. And I just wanted to see you continue to win. So thank you for sharing this message today. Thank you. Appreciate you guys having me on.